0: Section 33 of The Fortunes of Nigel by Sir Walter Scott This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 31 Many come up, sir, with your gentle blood. Here's a red stream beneath this coarse blue doublet that warms the heart as kindly as if drawn from the far source of old Assyrian kings who first made mankind subject to their sway. Old play the sounds to which we alluded in our last were no other than the grumbling tones of richie Manipolis's voice this worthy like some other persons who rank high in their own opinion was very apt when he could have no other auditor to hold conversation with one who was sure to be a willing listener i mean with himself he was now brushing and arranging lord glenvarlock's clothes with as much composure and quiet assiduity as if he had never been out of his service and grumbling betwixt whiles to the following purpose hump i time cloak and jerkin were through my hands i question if horsehair has been passed over them since they and i last parted the embroidery finely frayed too and the gold buttons of the cloak by my conscience and as i am an honest man there is a round dozen of them gain this comes of alsatian frolics god keep us with his grace and not give us over to our own devices i see no sword but that will be in respect of present circumstances Nigel, for some time could not help believing that he was still in a dream so improbable did it seem that his domestic whom he supposed to be in scotland should have found him out and obtained access to him in his present circumstances looking through the curtains however he became well assured of the fact when he beheld the stiff and bony length of ritchie with a visage charged with nearly double its ordinary degree of importance employed sedulously in brushing his master's cloak and refreshing himself with whistling or humming from interval to interval some snatch of an old melancholy scottish ballad tune although sufficiently convinced of the identity of the party lord glenvarlock could not help expressing his surprise in the superfluous question in the name of heaven ritchie is this you and why else should it be my lord Answered Ritchie, I dreamna that your lordship's levy in this place is like to be attended by ony that are not bounded thereto by duty. I'm rather surprised, answered Nigel, that it should be attended by any one at all, especially by you, Ritchie, for you know that we parted and I thought you'd reached Scotland long since. I crave your lordship's pardon, but we have not parted yet, nor are soon likely so to do, for the gang Tway, folks votes to the unmaking of a bargain as to the making of aim though it was your lordship's pleasure so to conduct yourself that we were like to have parted, yet it was not on reflection my will to be gone. To be plain, if your lordship does not, can, when you have a good servant, I can, when I have a kind master, and to say truth, you will be easier served now than ever, for there is not much chance of your getting out of bounds. I am indeed bound over to good behavior, said Lord Glenvarlock with a smile, but I hope you will not take advantage of my situation to be too severe on my follies, Richie god forbid my lord god forbid replied ritchie with an expression betwixt a conceited consciousness of superior wisdom and real feeling especially in consideration of your lordship's having a due sense of them i did indeed remonstrate as was my humble duty but i scorn to cast that up to your lordship now nay nay i am myself an erring creature very conscious of some small weaknesses there is no perfection in man but ritchie said lord glenvarlock although i am much obliged to you for your proffered service it can be of little use to me here and may be a prejudice to yourself your lordship shall pardon me again said ritchie whom the relative situation of the parties had invested with ten times his ordinary dogmatism but as i will manage the matter your lordship shall be greatly benefited by my service and i myself no good prejudiced i see not how that can be my friend said lord glenvarlock since even as to your pecuniary affairs touching my pecuniars my lord replied ritchie i am indifferently weal provided and as the chances, my living here will be no burden to your lordship or distress to myself only i crave permission to annex certain conditions to my servitude with your lordship annex what you will said lord glenbarlock for you are pretty sure to take your own way whether you make any conditions or not since you will not leave me which were i think your wisest course you must and i suppose will serve me only on such terms as you like yourself all that i ask my lord said ritchie gravely and with a tone of great moderation is to have the uninterrupted command of my own motions for certain important purposes which i have now in hand always given your lordship the solace of my company and attendance at such times as may be at once convenient for me and necessary for your service of which I suppose you constitute yourself sole judge," replied Nigel, smiling. "Unquestionably, my lord," answered Ritchie gravely. "For your lordship can only know what yourself want, whereas I, who see both sides of the picture, can both what is the best for your affairs and what is the most needful for my own." "Ritchie, my good friend," said Nigel, "I fear this arrangement, which places the master much under the disposal of the servant, would scarce suit us if we were both at large, but a prisoner as I am." i may be as well at your disposal as i am at that of so many other persons and so you may come and go as you list for i suppose you will not take my advice to return to your own country and leave me to my fate the deal be in my feet if i do said it, please i am not the lad to leave your lordship in foul weather when i have followed you and fed you through the whole summer day and besides there may be brave days behind for a that has come and gained yet for its hame and its hame and its hame we fain would be though the cloud is in the lift and the wind is on the lee for the sun through the murk blinks life on mine e says i'll shine on ye yet in our ain country having sung this stanza in the manner of a ballad-singer whose voice had been cracked by matching his windpipe against the bugle of the north blast richie manipulated lord Glenvarlock to rise attended his toilet with every possible mark of the most solemn and deferential respect then waited upon him at breakfast and finally withdrew pleading that he had business of importance which would detain him for some hours although lord glenvarlock necessarily expected to be occasionally annoyed by the self-conceit and dogmatism of which he his character yet he could not but feel the greatest pleasure from the firm and devoted attachment which this faithful follower had displayed in the present instance and indeed promised himself an alleviation of the ennui of his imprisonment in having the advantage of his services it was therefore with pleasure that he learned from the warder that his servants attendance would be allowed at all times when the general rules of the fortress permitted the entrance of strangers in the meanwhile the magnanimous richie Miniples had already reached tower warp hereafter looking with contempt on several scholars by whom he was plied and whose services he rejected with a wave of his hand he called with dignity first doors and stirred into activity several lounging Tritons of the higher order who had not on his first appearance thought it worth while to accost him with proffers of service he now took possession of a wherry, folded his arms within his ample cloak and sitting down in the stern with an air of importance commanded them to row to whitehall stairs having reached the palace in safety he demanded to see master linklater at the under clerk of his majesty's kitchen the reply was that he was not to be spoken withal being then employed in cooking a mess of kakaliki for the king's own mouth tell him said men that it is a dear countryman of his who seeks to converse with him on matter of high import a dear countryman said linklater when this pressing message was delivered to him will let him come in and be damned that i should say say this now is some red-headed long-legged gilly whitefoot frae the west port that hearing of my promotion has come up to be a turnbroche or deputy scullion through my interest it is a great hindrance to any man who would rise in the world to have such friends to hang by his skirts in hope of being towed up along with him ha Richard manipules man is it thou and what has brought ye here if they should ken thee for the loon that scared the horse the other day no more of that neighbor said richie i'm just here on the old errand i'm on speak with the king the king your redwood said link later then shouted to his assistant in the kitchen look to the brochures ye knaves. piscis Berger, Sal sal i will make you understand latin ye knaves as becomes the scullions of king james then in a cautious tone to ritchie's private ear he continued know ye not how ill your master came off the other day i can tell you that job made some folk shake for their office weel but laurie ye maun befriend me this time and get this wee bit siffication slip into his majesty's ain most gracious hand i promise you the contents will be most grateful to him ritchie answered linklater you have certainly sworn to say your prayers in the porter's lodge with your back there, and twa grooms with dog whips to cry amen to you nay nay laurie lad said ritchie i can better what belangs to siffications than i did yon day and ye will say that yourself if ye we'll but get that bit note to the king's hand i will have neither hand nor foot in the matter said the cautious clerk of the kitchen but there is his majesty's mess of cock just going to be served to him in his closet i cannot prevent you from putting the letter between the gilt bowl and the platter his sacred majesty will see it when he lifts the bowl for he i drinks out the broth enough said replied ritchie and deposited the paper accordingly just before a page entered to carry away the mess to his Majesty, a wheel, a wheel, neighbour said Lawrence. When the mess was taken away, if ye have done ony thing to bring your cell to the withy or the scourging post, it is your ain wilful deed. I will blame no other for it," said Ritchie, and with that undismayed pertinacity of conceit which made a fundamental part of his character, he abode the issue, which was not long of arriving. In a few minutes, Maxwell himself arrived in the apartment and demanded hastily who had placed a writing on the king's trencher link later denied all knowledge of it but ritchie manipulies stepping boldly forth pronounced the emphatical confession i am the man follow me then said maxwell after regarding him with a look of great curiosity they went up a private staircase even that private staircase the privilege of which at court is accounted a nearer road to power than the grand entree themselves Arriving in what Ritchie described as an ill-read up ante room, the usher made a sign to him to stop while he went into the king's closet. Their conference was short, and as Maxwell opened the door to retire, Ritchie heard the conclusion of it: "Ye are sure he is not dangerous? I was caught once, bide within call, but not nearer the door than within three geometrical cubits. If I speak loud, start to me like a falcon. If I speak loud, keep your lang lugs out of earshot. And now let him come in." ritchie passed forward at maxwell's mute signal and in a moment found himself in the presence of the king most men of ritchie's birth and breeding and many others would have been abashed at finding themselves alone with their sovereign but ritchie Maniples had an opinion of himself too high to be controlled by any such ideas and having made his stiff reverence he arose once more into his perpendicular height and stood before james as stiff as a hedge stake have ye gotten them man have ye gotten them said the king in a fluttered state betwixt hope and eagerness and some touch of suspicious fear give me them give me then before ye speak a word i charge you on your allegiance Ritchie took a box from his bosom and stooping on one knee presented it to his majesty who hastily opened it and having ascertained that it contained a certain carcanet of rubies with which the reader was formerly made acquainted he could not resist falling into a sort of rapture kissing the gems as if they had been capable of feeling and repeating again and again with childish delight onyx cum prole sillexque onyx cum prole ah my bright and bonny sparklers my heart loops light to see you again he then turned to ritchie upon whose stoical countenance his majesty's demeanour had excited something like a grim smile which james interrupted his rejoicing to reprehend saying take heed sir you are not to laugh at us we are your anointed sovereign god forbid that i should laugh said ritchie composing his countenance into its natural rigidity i did but smile to bring my visage into coincidence and conformity with your majesty's physiognomy ye speak as a dutiful subject and an honest man said the king but what deals your name man even ritchie manipules the son of old mungo manipules at the west port of edinburgh who had the honour to supply your majesty's mother's royal table as weel as your majesty's with flesh and other vivours when time was aha said the king laughing for he possessed as a useful attribute of his situation a tenacious memory which recollected every one with whom he was brought into casual contact ye are the selfsame traitor who had weel nigh couped us and lang on the causey of our ain courtyard but we stuck by our mare equam memento rebus in arduous soare we'll be not dismayed ritchie for as many men have turned traitors it is but fair that a traitor now and then should prove to be contra a true man how came ye by our jewels man came ye on the part of george harriet in no sort said ritchie may it please your majesty i come as harry wind fought utterly for my own hand and on no man's errand as indeed i call no one master save him that made me your most gracious majesty who governs me and the noble nigel oliphant lord of Luck, who maintained me as lang as he could maintain himself poor nobleman Glenvarluck at ease again exclaimed the king by my honour he lies in ambush for us at every corner maxwell knocks at the door it is george harriet come to tell us he cannot find these jewels get thee behind the heiress ritchie stand close man sneeze not cough not breathe not jingling Geordie is so damnably ready with his gold ends of wisdom and say, accursedly backward with his gold ends of siller that by our royal soul we are glad to get a hair in his neck. Ritchie got behind the heiress in obedience to the commands of the good-natured king, while the monarch, who never allowed his dignity to stand in the way of a frolic, having adjusted with his own hand the tapestry so as to complete the ambush, commanded Maxwell to tell him what was the matter without maxwell's reply was so low as to be lost by ritchie Manipolis, the peculiarity of whose situation by no means abated his curiosity and desire to gratify it to the uttermost let geordie Harriet come in said the king and as ritchie could observe through a slit in the tapestry the honest citizen if not actually agitated was at least discomposed the king whose talent for wit or humor was precisely of a kind to be gratified by such a scene as ensued, received his homage with coldness, and began to talk to him with an air of serious dignity, very different from the usual indecorous levity of his behavior. Master Harriet, he said, if we are right, remember, we appignorated in your hands certain jewels of the crown for a certain sum of money, did we or did we not? My most gracious sovereign, said Harriet, indisputably, your majesty was pleased to do so. The property of which jewels and camellia remained with us, continued the king, in the same solemn tone, subject only to your claim of advance thereupon which advance being repaid gives us right to repossession of the thing appignorated or pledged or laid in wad vetus vinius grion Pagin, paginstecherus and all who have treated de contractu opignorationis consentient in eundem, agree on the same point the roman law the english common law and the municipal law of our ain ancient kingdom of scotland though they split in mere particulars than i could desire unite as strictly in this as the three strands of a twisted rope may it please your majesty replied harriet it requires not so many learned authorities to prove to any honest man that his interest in a pledge is determined when the money lent is restored weel sir i proffer restoration of the sum lent and i demand to be repossessed of the jewels pledged with you i gave ye a hint brief while since that this would be essential to my service for as approaching events are like to call us into public it would seem strange if we did not appear with those ornaments which are heirlooms of the crown and the absence whereof is like to place us in contempt and suspicion with our liege subjects master george harriet seemed much moved by this address of his sovereign and replied with emotion i call heaven to witness that i am totally harmless in this matter and that i would willingly lose the sum advanced so that i could restore those jewels the absence of which your majesty so justly laments had the jewels remained with me the account of them would be easily rendered but your majesty will do me the justice to remember that by your express order i transferred them to another person who advanced a large sum just about the time of my departure for paris the money was pressingly wanted and no other means to come by it occurred to me i told your majesty when i brought the needful supply that the man from whom the moneys were obtained was of no good repute, and your most princely answer was smelling to the gold. Known, Olet, it smells not of the means that have gotten it. Weel oh man," said the king. "But what needs a uh, this din? If ye gave my jewels in pledge to such a one, should ye not, as a liege subject, have taken care that the redemption was in our power? And are we to suffer the loss of our camelia by your neglect? Besides, being exposed to the scorn and censure of our lieges and of the foreign ambassadors my lord and liege king said heriot god knows if my bearing blame or shame in this matter would keep it from your majesty it were my duty to endure both as a servant grateful for many benefits but when your majesty considers the violent death of the man himself the disappearance of his daughter and of his wealth i trust you will remember that i have warned your majesty in humble duty of the possibility of such casualties and prayed you not to urge me to deal with him on your behalf but you brought me nay better means said the king "'Geordie, ye brought me nay better means. "'I was like a deserted man. "'What could I do but grip to the first silver that offered, "'as a drowning man grasps to the willow wand "'that comes readiest, and now, man, "'what for have ye not brought back the jewels? "'They are surely above ground if ye wad make strict search.' "'All strict search has been made. "'May it please your majesty,' replied the citizen. "'Hue and cry has been sent out everywhere, "'and it has been found impossible to recover them.' "'Difficult, ye mean, Geordie. "'Not impossible,' replied the king. For that wilk is impossible is either naturally so exempli gratia to make two into three or morally so as to make what is truth falsehood, But what is only difficult may come to pass with assistance of wisdom and patience. As for example, jingling Geordie, look here, and he displayed the recovered treasure to the eyes of the astonished jeweller, exclaiming with great triumph, "What say ye to that jingler? By my sceptre and crown, the man stares as if he took his native prince for a warlock." Us that are the very malleus maleficarum the contending and contriterating hammer of all witches sorcerers magicians and the like he thinks we are taking a touch of the black arts outsells but gang thy way honest jordi thou art a good plain man but none of the seven sages of greece gang thy way and mind the soothfast word which you spoke small time sign that there is one in this land that comes near to solomon king of israel in all his gifts except in his love to strange women for by the daughter of pharaoh if harriet was surprised at seeing the jewels so unexpectedly produced at the moment the king was upbraiding him for the loss of them this allusion to the reflection which had escaped him while conversing with lord altogether completed his astonishment and the king was so delighted with the superiority which it gave him at the moment that he rubbed his hands chuckled and finally his sense of dignity giving way to the full feeling of triumph he threw himself into his easy chair and laughed with unconstrained violence till he lost his breath and the tears ran plentifully down his cheeks as he strove to recover it meanwhile the royal cacunation was echoed out by a discordant and portentous laugh from behind the heiress like that of one who little accustomed to give way to such emotions feels himself at some particular impulse unable either to control or to modify his obstreperous mirth harriet turned his head with new surprise towards the place from which sounds so unfitting the presence of a monarch seemed to burst with such emphatic clamour the king too somewhat sensible of the indecorum rose up and wiped his eyes and calling come out of your den he produced from behind the heiress the length of he manipulies still laughing with as unrestrained mirth as ever did gossip at a country christening wish man wished, man said the king ye need no nicker that gate like a cusser at a cup o corn e'en though it was a pleasing jest and a ain framing, and yet to see jingling Geordi, that bauds himself so much the wiser than other folk, to see him, ha, 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 in the vein of eucleo, apud, plautum, distressing himself to recover what was lying at his elbow, peril interi quo carum, quo non carum, tene tene quam quis descio, nihil, Ah, uh, Geordi, your een are sharp enough to look after goud and silver, gems, rubies, and the like of that and yet ye kenna how to come by them when they are lost ay ay look at them man, look at them they are aright and tight sound and round not a doublet crept in amongst them george harriet when his first surprise was over was too old a courtier to interrupt the king's imaginary triumph although he darted a look at some displeasure at honest ritchie who still continued on what is usually termed the broad grin he quietly examined the stones and finding them all perfect he honestly and sincerely congratulated his majesty on the recovery of a treasure which could not have been lost without some dishonor to the crown and asked to whom he himself was to pay the sums for which they had been pledged observing that he had the money by him in readiness ye are in a devil of a hurry when there is paying in the case geordie said the king what's a uh, the haste man the jewels were restored by an honest kindly countryman of ours there he stands and wa kens if he wants the money on the nail or if he might not be as weel pleased weah a bit Rescript on our treasury some six months hence ye ken that our exchequer is even at a low ebb just now and ye cry pay 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 as if we had all the mines of ophir please your majesty said harriet if this man has the real right to these moneys it is doubtless at his will to grant forbearance if he will but when i remember the guise in which i first saw him with a tattered cloak and a broken head i can hardly conceive it are not you richy menopolis with the king's favour even say master harriet of the ancient and honourable house of castle Collet, near to the west port of edinburgh answered ritchie why please your majesty he is a poor serving-man said harriet this money can never be honestly at his disposal what for no said the king why d'ye have naebody sprinkle up the brae but Geordie? your ain cloak was thin enough when ye came here though ye have lined it gay and weal and for serving men there has money a red shank cam over the tweed with his master's wallet on his shoulders and thou rustles it wi his six followers behind him there stands the man himself Spirit him geordie he is made not be the best authority in the case answered the cautious citizen tut tut man said the king ye are over scrupulous the knave dear stealers, have an apt phrase known est inquirendum unde winnet winnison he that brings the goods hath surely a right to dispose of the gear hark ye friends speak the truth and shame the deal have ye plenary powers to dispose on the redemption money as to delay of payments or the like ay or no full power and it like your gracious majesty answered ritchie Manipolis, and i am maist willing to subscribe to whatsoever may in ony wise accommodate your majesty in that. the redemption money trusting your majesty's grace will be kind to me in one small favour ay man said the king come ye to me there i thought ye would e'en be like the rest of them one would think our subjects lives and goods were all our ain and holden of us at our free will but when we stand in need of ony matter of from them, which dances more frequently than we would it did deal of bottle is to be had save on the old terms of gift-gap is just niffer for niffer a wheel-nibber neighbor. is it that ye want some monopoly i reckon or it may be a grant of kirklands and taeans or a knighthood or the like ye maun be reasonable unless ye propose to advance more money for our present occasions my liege answered richie Manipoli, the owner of these monies places them at your majesty's command free of all pledge or usage as long as it is your royal pleasure providing your majesty will condescend to show some favour to the noble lord glenvarlock presently prisoner in your royal tower of london how man how man how man exclaimed the king reddening and stammering but with emotions more noble than those by which he was sometimes agitated what is that you dare to say to us sell our justice sell our mercy and we are crowned king, sworn to do justice to our subjects in the gate and responsible for our stewardship to him that is over all kings here he reverently looked up touched his bonnet and continued with some sharpness we dare not traffic in such commodities, sir, and but that ye are a poor ignorant creature that have done us this day some not unpleasant service, we wad have a red iron driven through your tongue in terrorim of others. Away with him, Geordie pay him plaque and Bobby out of our monies in your hands and let them care that come a hint. Richie who had counted with the utmost certainty upon the success of this master stroke of policy was like an architect whose whole scaffolding at once gives way under him he caught however at what he thought might break his fall not only the sum for which the jewels were pledged he said but the double of it if required should be placed at his majesty's command and even without hope or condition of repayment if only but the king did not allow him to complete the sentence crying out with greater vehemence than before as if he dreaded the stability of his own good resolutions away with him swift away with him it is time he were gain if he doubles his bow, that gate and for your life let nastina or only of them hear a word from his mouth for what kens what trouble that might bring him, me into ne in Ducas intentationum vade retro sathanus amen in obedience to the royal mandate george harriet hurried the abashed petitioner out of the presence and out of the palace and when they were in the palace-yard the citizen remembering with some resentment the airs of equality which ritchie had assumed towards him in the commencement of the scene which had just taken place could not forbear to retaliate by congratulating him with an ironical smile on his favourite court and his improved grace in presenting a supplication never fash your beard about that master george harriet said ritchie totally undismayed but tell me when and where i am to supplicate you for eight hundred pounds sterling for which these jewels stood engaged the instant that you bring with you the real owner of the money replied harriet whom it is important that i should see on more accounts than one then will i back to his majesty said richie minutely stoutly and get either the money or the pledge back again i am fully commissionate to act in that matter it may be so richie said the citizen and perchance it may not be so neither for your tales are not all gospel and therefore be assured i will see that it is so ere i pay you that large sum of money i shall give you an acknowledgment for it and i will keep it pretty stable at a moment's warning but my good richard the Nipoles of castle caught near the west port of edinburgh in the meantime i am bound to return to his majesty in matters of weight so speaking and mounting the stair to re-enter the palace he added by way of summing up the whole george harriet is over old a cock to be caught with jab ritchie stood petrified when he beheld him re-enter the palace and found himself as he supposed left in the lurch now nah, on ye he muttered for a cunning old skinflint that because ye are an honest man yourself forsooth must needs deal with all the world as if they were knaves but deal be in me if ye beat me yet good guide us yonder comes lord link later next and he will be on me about the suffocation i went stand in by saint andrew so saying and changing the haughty stride with which he had that morning entered the precincts of the palace into a skulking shamble, he retreated for his weary which was in attendance with speed which to use the approved phrase on such occasions greatly resembled the flight End of chapter 31